Welcome to another edition of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, love having you guys listen in and appreciate all the support you show the show. Uh, today we've got a head coach who's been all over the place, and most famously at Dayton for 13 years where he led him to an Elite Eight. It's current Florida Atlantic head coach Jim Jaber. Jim has been in the game for a long time, has, has an interesting story, and we'll get into that story and his background. We'll get into his current program at Florida Atlantic. We'll also have a little fun, too, uh, with some just random questions, as we usually do. But we'll hop off here, take a five-second break, and then we'll bring Jim on and talk to him. Looking forward to this one. This is The Jump Wrap. And welcome back to The Jump Around with Blake Udonis. And joining me now, as mentioned before, it is Florida Atlantic head coach Jim Jaber. Coach, thanks for joining us. And I just, um, man, it's you're one of those people, it's really hard to know where to start the interview because you've got such a, uh, a large background that covers so many things. So I guess I would just start with back at the beginning, uh, when you're in college, when you're an assistant at Buffalo State, when you're just kind of coming up, could you ever have imagined you'd be where you are now, thinking back to then? I had no idea. Uh, and and um, uh, when I went to school at Nazareth College, I was, a, I, I was lucky to graduate. And um, I had a, a degree in English and a concentration in writing. And uh, I really didn't know what I was going to do with that either. And, uh, and I just decided to go for it the basketball and, and, and see if I can make it go. And so I went and got my master's at Buff State and it kind of started there. And, and, uh, I was just very, very fortunate to be at the right place at the right time a couple of times. And, and, uh, not, I, I don't think, you know, you ever think that you're going to end up where you end up sometimes. It just kind of happens that way. Yeah, sure. Well, at Florida Atlantic, it's, you've inherited a program who, Next year, it's going to be the 35th season of women's basketball there. And you took over a team, won four games, and then you guys go ahead, win 13, you win seven in CUSA, you finish seventh in the conference, which is the highest the team's ever finished in Conference USA. And, and forgive me for making this a long-winded question, but I look back at your career. You're, you're a head coach at Providence, you're a head coach at Marquette, Siena. So these are all schools that have had varying degrees of success over their time, and for you, taking over a program like Florida Atlantic, which just quite honestly hasn't had uh, much success to speak of, is it any different than taking over, say, a Marquette or you know, uh, or Dayton, which has had at least a, a little bit more success coming in? If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it does. I, I don't think that um, you know Marquette had had some success, but they had a long long time of losing I, I could be wrong now my memory's not that great but I think we had like 17 losing seasons out of 20 years before we got there okay. and and um, and I think Dayton had been floundering for quite a while as well and, and and I think for maybe people who are younger or trying to get into this profession or looking to get head jobs or 
you know, I, I think there's a quality to look for jobs where the kind of all the resources are there, the facilities are there, that, but but it's just been kind of underworked. And and uh, so I, I think in the case of Marquette and and in the case of of Dayton, I, I think both of those jobs were jobs that you know had a great deal of potential and just needed someone to come in and really work. And and um, and, and I think I was really fortunate to find that in both of those places. Forgive me for touching this if it's a sore subject, but you you mentioned those two, and you were very successful at both, and we'll, we're going to come back around to Dayton. But with Providence, uh, you weren't able to have much success, and really uh, no one really has in a while. What went wrong there? Well, I was young. Um, I, um, I, I was had a great thing going at, at Marquette. I had a very supportive athletic director. Um, we, we were winning a lot of games. Uh, and and I and no one sat me down and said, "Hey, you stupid! Um, you know what you've done is because you have a lot of support, and and because you have an AD who cares and an administration who's supporting you." And, and and I thought, well, you know, heck, I must be great. So after we turned around, after we turned around, you know, Marquette, I said, "Well, if I could do that there, then why can't I do it at Providence?" And and Providence was, you know, the worst team and the best league in the country. That's that's when the Big East had Notre Dame, Connecticut, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, Rutgers, um, and you know we didn't belong in there. And our, our resources and our so so I you know I was this hot coach and and uh, I just took a really really bad job and and since then you know I think Providence has done a lot to try to improve the job. And obviously, the Big East has changed. Um, it's still a great league, um, but I think now they have a fighting chance under Jim Crowley to, to win some games. Did that experience humble you? Oh, it it it, it was humbling. Um, I almost got out of the profession totally. Um, my my daughter, who I think was in uh, maybe sixth grade at the time, I, I was offered a sales job, and I thought, you know. My kids love it here. It's a great place to live. I'm not going to pull them. And and um, my daughter said, "No, you, you know, you, you have to be a coach. We love that you're a coach." So that was the only reason why I stayed in it back then because I was ready to walk in my boss's office and say, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore." And, and actually, I did. And except, that, you know, at that point when I kind of felt like the new AD was going to make some changes. I, I didn't want to get fired. And, and so I walked in there and I, I resigned and, and, um, and I went to Colorado, uh, Steel Barry hired me and, and, um, and that was a great learning experience, but the whole thing was a great experience. I mean, it was painful. I, I didn't like who I became. I, I didn't like losing. I didn't handle it well. And I don't think I was a good person. I don't think I was a good dad or a good husband, but, but I think, you know, it taught me a great, great deal, and I think it, it formed who I am now. Well, and then you go from Colorado, and you end up taking the Dayton job, and then obviously the success you had there kind of capstoned with that 2015 Elite Eight. Um, looking back at your success there, do you attribute um, 
your re- your resignation and and that kind of failed experiment, do you attribute your success to Dayton as kind of like a recalibration of your beliefs and everything? Is that part of why you were so successful there? Well, I, I really feel that, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. And so it, it, it framed how I recruited, who I recruited, the kind of character of people I wanted to coach. Um, but I also identified the fact that I needed a really great administration who cared a lot about the program and so all that success that I had you know you you get as a coach you get the credit for a lot of it but you know Ted Kissel our AD who hired me and Tim Wobbler and then Neil Sullivan were three ADs that were really really you know the, the the reason that that place took off and because they really believed in what we were doing and then they supported it financially and and I I think today like I think Dayton is one of the best jobs in the country, and, and um, it's because of the support uh, that they give it, and 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 now you know they're getting three thousand a game, and and um, and and they're getting you know great players, and we were real fortunate to have some great players that I coached and recruited, and and um, so yeah, I mean I think it was a compilation of all those things, but I had definitely you know gotten smarter and 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 figured some things out because of. The experiences that I had gone through. How cool was that uh, Elite Eight run, though? Oh my God! I, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'll ever be lucky enough to feel that again, but I think everyone should feel it at least once. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you know, and I'm a really like sentimental, hardworking guy, and I, I just, just that feeling of finally climbing the mountain and and you know, being 20 minutes. I mean, we walked in the locker room at halftime and we were up on Connecticut and and, um, and I just looked at my boss, my AD who was sitting in the stand over there and, and uh, as I was walking in the locker room and I just shrugged my shoulders and he just, <laughs> you know, great big grin and, and uh, you know, I mean, it it was magical. and But more than magic, it was a culmination of, of a lot of hard work and, and a lot of really good kids bought in and, and, uh, and that's why you coach, I think. I mean, that, so, you know, make dreams come true. And, and I, you know, that was the most amazing thing for me is like, you know, you set this goal and you got a bunch of people to chase it and, and then it works out and, and it, it's magic. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I appreciated when you were hired at Florida Atlantic in your introductory press conference, you said, hey, we're going to win championships here. And then you said, hey, that's not an me being arrogant, that's a, hey, if that's not what you're saying to yourself and that's not your goal every day, uh, then what are you doing? Uh, so I kind of appreciate your candidness there. But uh, to just to go back to the Dayton thing, even believing that, even knowing that, I mean, even in your wildest dreams, if you're at a mid-le- mid-major school like that, you don't, it, it, for me, it's hard to suspend belief and be like, yeah, we're actually going to make a run to the Final Four, potentially, which you guys were one half away from doing. Am I off base there? No, I think that's the gist of it. I I, I think, you know, uh, and I think it's getting harder and harder for mid-majors to do that. And, and, and um, but, but, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier. I, I thought that, you know, we had caught a couple of teams when they were a little vulnerable and, and, and the timing was right, the matchups were right, and we were mature enough to take advantage of it. Uh, and, and so it's a combination of all those things. That, that come together and 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 um, um yeah so I, I think that answers your question but 
Yeah. But it, it's really a combination of all of those things. Yeah. Uh, very important follow-up question. Do you still have your uh, tattoo? Uh, yeah, I do. And, and um, <laughs> I, I, I was such a wimp to get this little tiny tattoo. It hurt so much that I wouldn't have it taken off now because it just hurt too much. But I, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, I, I love that I have it, and I love why I got it. And, and um, you know, it, it was a bet I love losing, and, and uh, yeah. I'm very proud of the tattoo and what it's there for. Absolutely. Well, then you leave Dayton um, a bit suddenly, and I know it caught a lot of people by surprise, but um, I know you've talked about it before, but you've had some health scares in the past and just kind of the fatigue of everything uh, leading up to you. So, but then you really, and for a lack of a better word, you just kind of pop up in, in Europe and you're coaching a men's professional team, and I think that surprised everyone just as much. How did you even end up getting there? Well... You know, to, to be totally honest, I, I I didn't handle success really well, and and um, and I was really beat up and fatigued and and tired, and and I my assumption naively, and it was out of loyalty and and love for the community at Dayton, but I kind of felt like, well, now we have to go to the Final Four, and and I put everything I had into trying to do that, and and I I just did way too much, and. And I, I physically, you know, I couldn't, I wouldn't have made it through the year. And, and so I, I just kind of didn't have a plan when I left. And, and uh, a friend of mine, Morton Thompson in Denmark, uh, it was part of a, a club. Um, and and um, they had lost their coach who went back to Spain. And, and he knew I wasn't doing anything but uh, renovating an old house. So, um he asked if I wanted to come out, and I'd known him for a long time, and and at first I was calling because he may be interested in, like, Brian Gregory or somebody who had just been let go at Dayton, and, and, um, and or at Georgia Tech, I'm sorry, and, and uh, but he wanted me, and, and so I went out there, and, and it, was, it was a blast, because all I did was coach, there was no recruiting, I was doing individual workouts, and, and uh, it really got my juices flowing again and and I, I loved every second of it it was I learned a lot it stretched me as a coach because there are some great coaches uh, in Europe and and you know they're they're you know just defending the pick and roll is a whole another experience there and 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 um so it, I I really got challenged and tested and and uh and I really improved as a coach being out there yeah, well, that's actually a perfect leeway to where I was hoping to take the next question is what part of your coaching changed the most? Because you come, you go there, and then you come and take the Florida Atlantic job. So what part of you coaching-wise has changed due specifically to your experience in Denmark? Well, I, I've always loved the European style of play. I, I love the, how fluid it is and the motion. And, and, um, and, and so I've always kind of – I think all our teams – in the past have kind of had that free flowing and, and, and I think it just enhanced it because now I really got to understand it at another level. And, and, um, like I said, just, I mean, just screens and rolls. I mean, they're setting a screen and, you know, on, on one side of the court to try to get a three pointer, three passes away. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, I mean, it's just really well thought out and well devised and, 
so it stretched me and, and how, you know, how do you defend that? And then how do you, how do you utilize it with the personnel you have? And, and we had some great players. I mean, we had the starting point guard from Marquette and the two guard from Gonzaga. And, and we had a six eleven center from college of Charleston. And I mean, there were some really, really good players and, and, and they were very gracious, gracious and accepting me as their coach. And, and we, we had a lot of success and, and, um, and it was just a lot of fun, but but to go against these really seasoned European coaches from Serbia and Spain, and I mean, it was it was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Well, now let's go to your current team at Florida Atlantic. Again, we kind of covered your success last year, especially in terms of uh, what had happened the year prior. But now this year, you've got a unique circumstance where you are loaded with freshmen and you are loaded with seniors. Um, You've got seven or eight of each of those, so you're 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 top and bottom heavy. So that's got to be, I, I, obviously, season hasn't started, but that's going to be a unique challenge, I would imagine. I think it will be. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I, I think we have a bunch of kids. Who, you know, we'll see what kind of college players they are, um, but 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 they, I know they care a lot, and, and I know they're high character kids, and and we're going to have a lot of fun coaching them and getting them better, and and. Um, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but we're just kind of starting the program, and, and I'm really excited about the, you know, the, the coming year. And, and you know, they, the, the returning kids, I'm really excited about them because the ones that have stayed have really bought in, and, and they're working so hard right now. And, and, um, and they really kind of, you know, they, 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 they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They really believe that what we're doing, and, and um, they're excited about it. And so... You know, we're going to take our you know licks at times, I'm sure. But but um, but uh, you know, the freshmen are really good kids, and and um, and the returners are really good kids. So if I don't screw it up too bad, I think we're going to have some fun. <laughs> well, you've talked about um, being more focused on the process, so being process oriented as opposed yeah. to being result oriented. Can you can you dive into that a little bit for me? Yeah, one of the best things I did when I took the year off was I did a lot of reading and and uh, I talked to a lot of coaches. I went to um, you know NBA practices. I I I, um, I went and visited some WNBA teams. Um, and and um, and you know a guy like Brad Stevens, um, I'm always amazed that like you know he doesn't show a lot of emotion. You know, and and and, and there was an article I read. Where you know they they uh, beat Gonzaga in a televised game on a buzzer beater, and he just unfolded his arms and walked down the court and shook hands, you know, with Mark Dew and 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 never really you know showed any kind of sign of, of anything and and you know his response was like for him he was just he just felt fortunate to be involved in a game of that magnitude played that well at such a high level on national TV and whether he, you know, whether the shot went in or not, whether they won or lost, he was just so happy just to be a part of the game. And, you know, and I think so many of us, I know I did, I, I know I, 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 that's how I, you know, sought out validation. Like, you know, if, if we played a great game and we lost that game, I'd be upset. And, and, you know, because I, you know, well, what are people going to think? And, and, and what really matters is what I thought. And, and, and I never really looked at it like that. So, 
so for me, the process now is, is way, way more important. And and there's still plenty of times when I'm a jerk, you know, on the court and, and uh, I'm super intense and all that. But, but I'm really trying to work on just being more of a teacher and really being focused on the present and, and really enjoying, you know, where we are, like, at that moment. Um, and and I, I, that's very foreign to me, and it's something that I'm really working on. Is that something that has, and maybe it hasn't, but having that kind of mentality and approach towards things, has that trickled into your personal life? Like, have you felt that impacting you outside of basketball at all? Because I, I feel like it would. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really ha- it has. I mean, uh, my, my relationship with my wife has really, really improved. And, and, and you know, we're spending a lot of time together um, and, and really enjoying those moments that we get together. And, and um, you know, I tell my staff, hey, get the hell out of your, the office and, you know, go home and, and, and you know, go spend time with your family. And, and uh, I, I, I think that's so, so important to have a balance and, and to be really present um, when you're with the people you love. And and, and, um, and that's something that I couldn't say that I've done my whole life, you know. And, I, I mean, like, I'm down here in, in Destin in Conference USA meetings, and, and then my son's with me. Um, you know, he came down to visit, and I said, well, just, you know, come on, we'll spend a week on the beach. And, and so it's, I'm, I'm trying really, really hard to, present and and i i don't think there's anything more important yeah well i think it's interesting too because we all have talked about you know i've you know i've coached before and and been on staff so we've all been on staffs that we talk about you know there needs to be a balance there needs to be this but then you just get caught up in it right you just get caught up in well but we got to win well we're on a three-game losing streak now like why are you leaving the office it's you know the sun's still still up what are you doing so i I get it because i think everybody says that but more often than not, it seems like it's kind of lip service than anything, but it sounds like you've actually embraced it a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think the thing I've realized is that your product actually gets better when you're more clear-headed and, and mm-hmm. you know, you have more energy. Because, like, you can't give your team what it needs if you don't have it to give. And, and um, so... Uh, and for the longest time, I mean, I was always the guy that, you know, my pride came from outworking everybody. So, yeah, you know, you may be Gino Ariema, but you're not going to be in the gym longer than me, Gino. And, 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 I mean, that's how I was with everything. I mean, I, I was going to outwork you. And I was going to, you know, if I had to drive eight hours to watch a kid play and drive back for practice at 6 a.m., that's what I was going to do. And, and, and but, but I, I, I think, you know, that has its value in some areas, but for the most part, if you don't need to do that, I don't think it helps you achieve your ultimate goals. And and, um, and so really understanding what it is you're trying to accomplish and why you're here. And I mean, at the end of the day, if we win a lot of games and my kids all hate me and, and they hate their experience, you know, what did we gain? What, what good was it? And, and, and um, I, I want them to love it. I want them to love their experience and, and really enjoy, you know, showing up every day. I don't want it to be a job, you know, where, where you know, they, they're clocking in and clocking out. And, and, and um, I, I mean, that would be awful. I mean, to, to spend their whole career, you know, playing like that. And, and I want them to love, you know, be passionate about coming in the gym. And, and, and when you win that championship, and I hope we do, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of rejoicing and, 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 you know, a lot of crying and, and, and those are the reasons why you do it. And, and, um, but it, it, I think we've kind of got things out of whack and, and that in the journey that I've been on, that's some of the things I've realized. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll go to the lighter side of things now, now that, uh, now that we've gone uh, a little bit strong on the uh, emotional side of things, but very, really good, uh, good thoughts by you. Your son was on your practice team at one point. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah what's that's a pretty cool experience, right? You're coaching women's basketball, but then you still get a chance to coach your son. Oh, I, I love watching Jack play. Jack, Jack's a really good player, and and um, and I'm a really proud dad. And so, like, I sometimes I get caught up watching him play, you know, during practice, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, but uh, but he, I loved having him around. I, I really, really did, and he stayed uh, on the practice team with Shauna um, at, at at UD now. And, and um, but yeah, I, I loved having him there, and, and just being around him, you know, was so cool. Just to just to have him around. Yeah, that's good stuff. I know you had alluded to reading earlier. I know you're an avid reader. Um, I won't do the standard uh, "Who's your favorite author?" question, but I will ask you what uh, what book or books are you reading right now? Um, there's a book uh, by uh, a guy named um, Coyle, and it's called um, um, Culture Code, and it it's an amazing book. Um, and, and like I, I've highlighted the whole thing, I don't even—I don't know why I used to highlight it because it, it was, but it really—it it pertains to where my head is at right now and and what we're trying to do with our team and and um, talks uh, about you know um, organizations and, and 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 you know he says pretty much that um, our brains are wired to kind of like from prehistoric time. It, you know, hunter-gatherer time to kind of be, you know, to defend, to, to, to survive. And and so if you're in a group, in an office setting or a team, and, uh, people aren't going to make themselves vulnerable if they don't feel safe and if they don't feel accepted and loved. And, and, um, and, and so that's powerful when you're coaching a team and, and you're trying to tell people to, hey, you know, like, let your defenses down. Um, trust each other and and, and you know it, it was funny I was just there was a guy that came and spoke yesterday about leadership here at the conference and he's worked with NBA teams and he was talking about one team in particular and, and he said you know they all like each other but they don't trust that if I pass you the ball you're going to make the shot and they're the most dysfunctional team with some really expensive superstars on it but <laughs> But there's no trust, and and um, so you know trust is a really really important thing. And anyway, I'm sorry I I went off, on, but but um, but yeah, I I love to read, and, and that's one of my favorite books. Yeah, um, I forgive you for hijacking uh, the podcast. It's all right. uh, I, well, I, I I took your whole podcast. You, I'm so you sorry. did. This is a jump around with Jim Jaber. No, um, <laughs> in all seriousness. Uh, no, that was that's exactly what I'm looking for. No, I appreciate your candidness and your honesty. Uh, something else you're passionate about, um, pizza in New York City. And I need you to tell me what's the best pizza in New York City. Well, I mean, if you ask a, a million people, you'd get a million answers to that question. Um, and, 
and in Brooklyn, in Bay Ridge, where I grew up, there's this place called Vesuvio's. It's on um, 3rd Avenue um, between 73rd and 74th Street. Um, and uh, it's a two blocks where I grew up. And my mom used to give me a quarter for lunch. And for a quarter, you get a slice of pizza and, uh, and a quarter of milk uh, or a little container of milk. And, um, and that was pretty good. There's this place called Lento's Bar. Uh, and, and they used to make old school. They had a brick oven, so it was really thin, crispy pizza. Nice. And that was the best. But I think I think they went out of business. But the Suvios would be my choice now. It's a good pick. I'm a big fan. I don't, you, this is uh, on Long Island in Huntington Station. There's a place called Little Vincent's, and uh, uh-huh. they do a cold cold cheese slice. So it's just a cheese pizza, and they pull it out of the oven, and they just grab a handful of the mozzarella and throw it on top before they give it to oh, you. Wow. And it is, I mean, it's, it's the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And I'm, I'm, I've, a, never, I've never tried that. It's great. Yep. Little Vincent's in Huntington station on Long Island. If, if you're ever there, and I'm sure you could get some other place to do it, but I mean, they're, you know, you get a slice for, you know, two fifty, and, uh, yeah, one of the more unique things, but it is, so, Oh, it's good. So, so what the, the, the crust is warm, right? Yeah. And, and cooked, but yeah. with does the cheese kind of melt on it as you're, yes. as you're eating it? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, yeah. So it'd just be like if you order a normal slice, you know, they throw it in the oven just to heat it back up again, but then they give it to you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, as you get down towards the end of it, it's a little meltier than when it started. So it's just got, you know, it's got different textures to it. It's got different feeling to it. It's just, it's a it's a eating experience, and I'm, I, I miss it. Look I've, at all this stuff I'm learning <laughs> Hey, you, you gave me a philosophical book information. I gave you pizza information. I feel like it's a fair trade. <laughs> uh, I'll get you out on this one uh, so you can enjoy that beach down there in Florida. But when it's all said and done, when, when you're done with this, this coaching thing and, and have X amount of years, what do you want people to say about Jim Jaber? Oh, that I cared. Um, and that, you know, I, I always gave my best and, and I was honest in what I did and, and, um, and that I loved, I loved the game and I did, I did right by the game, I guess. I mean, I, I've not really thought about it a whole lot, but, but I just, I love the game. I love the kids I coach and, and I'd, I would hope people think that I always, you know, gave my best to the game and to the kids. Yeah. Well. Certainly wish you the best of luck, Coach, and really appreciate you taking some time out with us. Um, I know you've got one heck of a conference. You're competing in there at Conference USA, but um, you got a great year one and certainly will be rooting for you year two. And thanks again for taking the time to talk to us today. I enjoyed it very, very much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So Jim Jaber, head coach of Florida Atlantic, joining us there today. Certainly appreciate his time and enjoy learning a little bit about his story and his background. He's got a unique one, as I alluded to before we chatted, but definitely got some good stuff there. Uh, that Pete's information uh, has been written down in my notebook. I'm going to have to display some willpower not to indulge on the desire to eat pizza now, but we appreciate Jim for joining us. Uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. As always, please rate us, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever else. You can always find me on Twitter. And thank you, as always, for listening. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis.